Today's gospel reminds me of when I was studying in Rome as a seminarian back in 2004. And when you're in Rome, you get to go to all sorts of different papal masses or events with the Holy Father. And this is right before John Paul II died. So I had the opportunity to see him at papal events. I remember one time when I was in St. Peter's uh, Basilica, when the Holy Father was coming down, um, every, time he, every time the Pope comes, everyone kind of smashes the center because they want to see him. They want to be close to him. And I wasn't in a center seat because that's where people took first. So as he was coming down, what I decided to do is stand on top of my seat. So I was above everybody. I'm already kind of a tall person. So I'm in my cassock. I'm standing on my seat. And I look at him and I just do this. <laughs> and I, he caught my eye. And he, he did this thing where he just like lifted up his arm and he gave me a blessing. Looked right at me and gave me a blessing. That felt amazing. Like he saw me. He blessed me, and he's a saint of the church. But that pales in comparison with what's happening in today's gospel. The text says that Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. This is very interesting. Jesus did not intend to meet Zacchaeus. He did not plan on staying at his house. He intended to go through this town. It's really important because what happens in the gospel is that Zacchaeus does something that changes Jesus' itinerary. His faith changes the way that Jesus interacted with him. And this is going to be very important. So it's just, the, that text describes Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector, as a wealthy man. He's, in a certain sense, the chief corrupt person in the area. People were not respecting tax collectors because they were colluding with the Romans. He was a very wealthy man. But it doesn't say why he was seeking to see Jesus. Right? He may have heard about him. He may have heard people's testimony when they encountered him, what he was doing in the countryside, how his preaching was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and maybe how he was healing people and delivering them from evil. Or maybe he had a guilty conscience and he wanted forgiveness and mercy. Either way, what it says here is that he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. He did not let his shortness prevent him from seeing Jesus. And notice what the text does not say. The text does not say that Zacchaeus says, woe is me, I'm too short, I can't see Jesus, there's this obstacle in my way. Notice how he doesn't say, I'm just one of the crowd, he doesn't know me, he doesn't really want to know me. Notice how he does not say, I'm not worthy to see him, I'm too much of a sinner, I'm just going to walk away from Jesus because I don't have my life together yet. No, rather than doing that, rather than remaining passive, he does something active. He goes to where he knows he's going to be. He goes ahead where Jesus is going to pass by. He climbs a tree, and then it happens. As Jesus is intending to pass by, he sees Zacchaeus in the tree, and his eyes locks on his. And Jesus calls him by name. There's no evidence in the text that Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was ahead of time. As the Son of God, he looks at him and he calls him by name. And he says, come down quickly, I must come into your house. That is, I must come into your life. You see, something happened in that exchange, that gaze of love, that was so powerful for Zacchaeus, that when Zacchaeus came down, he said, behold, half my possessions I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, I want to repay that four times over. Something happened in that gaze. 
So much so that Jesus says that today's salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. So what it turns out is that it wasn't just Zacchaeus looking for Jesus. It was Jesus looking for Zacchaeus. But it wasn't until Zacchaeus took an active step of placing himself where he was going to be that this encounter happened that changed his life. There's nothing like seeing the gaze of Jesus. There's nothing like being known and looked at by perfect love, perfect compassion, perfect understanding. This is what changes people throughout history. And I think it's important for us to recognize that all of us fundamentally desire this. We long to know that we're loved for who we are. We long to be understood, to be known, to be looked at, to be seen by God. And we need to recognize that when we don't know this kind of love, this desire to be known comes out in weird, twisted ways in our culture. Just look at social media. One of the things that I'm convinced of is that we live in a culture that's very sensitive around being judged. Don't judge me. How dare you say this or this? And that. People are very, very sensitive about being judged. And I believe one of the reasons why that's the case is because we don't know this kind of gaze. We don't know this love or, or, or we've forgotten it. That we're insecure about how other people see us in part because we don't know how he sees us. And as we, as we look at this, we need to recognize that that the way that we come to know this kind of gaze is to put ourselves where Jesus is and to seek him from our heart. Because as a priest, I can say what strikes me is that the people who've had this kind of encounter with him are those people who refuse to be part of the crowd. They refuse to be passive. They refuse to allow perceived obstacles in their relationship with God or maybe even in their relationship with the church. They refuse to allow that to cause them to stay still. Rather, they intentionally want to seek him and they go where he is, sometimes doing great and heroic things, maybe even to place themselves on a limb, if you may, to see him. This is really, really important because those who are passive, those who consider themselves part of the crowd and do not actively seek him, will not very likely come to know his love. In fact, it'll, Jesus' love will be just kind of like a theory. Well, I know he loves people. He loves some people have this and some people have that. I know God loves me, but it's, it's very much an abstract theory. But for those who really seek to know him and place themselves in places where they know he's going to be, they're going to know his love in a, very more, in a much more powerful way. And to be 100% clear, I know by experience what it's like to be passive. I know by experience what it's like to consider myself just simply a part of the crowd that comes around Jesus. I know what it's like to, to, uh, to just basically say, this excuse is in my life. This obstacle is in my life. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm not enough this. I'm not enough that. I know what it's like to pull back and keep Jesus at a distance. But I also know that distance is miserable. It's at that distance, I don't know his gaze, I don't know his delight, I don't know his forgiveness, I don't know his compassion, I don't know his peace. So it's important for us to really ask ourselves the question, what is it that prevents us from really seeking him? What is it that prevents us from, from not being active and getting out of our comfort zone to pursue him? To put it a different way, what makes you passive to his presence? Maybe some of you are thinking, hey, I'm not good enough. Be at peace. 
because he's the one that makes you good enough. Maybe some of you are thinking, I'm too sinful. Be at peace because he's come to forgive you of your sins. And maybe some of you say, hey, you know, I'm just going to, I don't want to see his face. I don't want to, I want to be in his presence because of something that I've done in the past. Or maybe there's shame or maybe, maybe there's something that someone did to me and I just don't want him to see me. Be at peace. He's come to reveal his love to you in the place of that shame so that you know that you're lovable. And maybe some of you are saying, hey, you know what, I, I just don't want to let go of control. I don't want to let control of my life because if I do, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what God's going to ask me to do. Be at peace. He says, do not be afraid. I have a plan for your life. You see, as Christians, we need to remember that wherever that place of resistance is, it's precisely there that he wants to meet you. Whatever that resistance, that hesitancy is, whatever that thing that caused you to want to be part of the crowd, that causes you to shut down when prayer happens, that is the very place he wants to love you there. It's the very place he wants to, to give you his life, to look at you. In fact, I think one of the things that we need to re- realize is that the great resistance, or I should say the great problem, is not really on Jesus' side. It's that oftentimes we don't even know why we resist him. We don't even know why we hold him at a distance. We don't even know why we don't seek him. And so the real battle is, is understanding what is it that I struggle with? We all have to know what is it that causes me to shut down and to put, put God to the side. Or to, to just be a part of the crowd. To say, you know what, I don't really need to get really close. I'm just a, a part of this crowd that's around him. All of us need to know what that is because it's only when we know what that is do we have the possibility of overcoming it. In fact, one of the things I love to say is we're always in danger of being influenced by that which we're unaware. And so the more we are aware of that, the more we can say, I'm going to press in through this. I'm going to pursue Jesus in this because that's where he wants to meet me. One of the things that really strikes me as well is, is that a radical honesty with ourselves helps us to then put ourselves where he's going to be. And a lot of times these kinds of encounters happen when we're in a posture of prayer, when we're in some experience of prayer. Sometimes it happens on retreat. Sometimes it happens on conferences. Sometimes it happens when we're praying with people. Sometimes it happens in our own prayer when we're at home. And sometimes it happens here. But regardless, this is not something we can think ourselves to. This is something we have to pray and to seek and allow our hearts to long. We have to be willing to press in to the very heart of God. I know where Jesus is going to be. And I want to just mention two. I know where he's going to be coming. There's two, two times or two places where I know he's going to be coming up. One is in two weeks, there's a conference called the Undone Conference for Women. And we're extraordinarily blessed to have this ministry of John Paul II Healing Center to come back to the parish. And this is where Jesus is going to be walking, gazing upon the women of our parish to show them once more, to tell them once more how lovable they are in their brokenness to restore the relationships, to give them hope. This is the kind of love that God has, and I know he's going to be here. And the question is, is whether or not women want to come to that. And so my invitation is to, to, to consider signing up. We have information in the back of the church, there's information in the bulletin and on our website. But I also know Jesus is going to pass by here in this very church in a few moments. This Jesus is going to pass right through here. And when he comes, what kind of response is he going to see? What kind of response is he going to get? Is he going to encounter a crowd or or a passive crowd that's content where Jesus is in their life? 
Is he going to encounter people that are simply more concerned about what they're doing after Mass? And by the way, this is one of the reasons why I really, really encourage you not to leave early. Because people who leave early, maybe they're not being attentive. I don't know, but maybe they're not being attentive to the one who's here. Or is he going to see people who are willing to recognize the perceived obstacle and recognize that there's no obstacle at all and that this Jesus wants to come and gaze upon us to love us, to call us by name, and to change us? What kind of response is he going to get in you? This is why we often only get out of prayer what we sometimes put into it. And so as we come forward to receive Holy Communion, I want to encourage us to step out on a, on a limb of faith, if you may. Seek his face. And maybe you can say to him, Jesus, I do not want to stay part of the crowd. I want to see who you are. Here's my life, my sins, my everything. And after you say that, allow him to look at you. Allow him to say your name, to speak your name. And let salvation once more come to your house.